leaf Irish cream tea. Oh, how about yourself? Well, I just finished mine actually. <laughs> no, um, yeah. Well, I had I actually had lemonade. It was like a lemon. I don't know some kind of lemon drink my, my brother got. I was trying that out. Oh, yeah. Neat. Yeah, it's not bad. I like a little bit. Is of it like juice. an infusion or is it like a like a dissoluble marmalade? More of this, I think actually more of the latter. Yeah, more of a marmalade taste. Oh yeah, I just discovered those. Those are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heavy on the sugar, I'm sure, but. Mm. Yeah, it's very sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's more like a juice, just like yeah. Yeah right. <laughs> Fruit juice. <laughs> uh so i mean okay so to back things up a bit uh mm -hmm. how how have you been just uh in the normal day-to-day -day things because you were actually located in uh the in the netherlands netherlands that's right <laughs> Sorry. yes no because the, the one ones. thing i always want to say whales for some reason i don't know why i have whales wow. in my head Sorry, I'm sorry about that. I don't know if that's... No, really, I'm, I'm I'm fascinated. No, Wales is a lovely place. I've uh, I've actually never visited, but uh, I'm 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 slowly trying to to, to master like the, the the West Wales. It's got this lovely lilt to it. Ooh. You ever you ever heard? Oh, there's a is... there's a film. Uh, sorry. No, no, no. Go on. Uh, there's a there's a film out. Uh, Doctor Doolittle, that's the one. And Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. For whatever reason, he chose to to give Doctor Doolittle a, a a sort of amalgamated Welsh accent. It's it's fascinating to listen. I heard there was a bit of criticism on that. Now, did he do the accent justice? Because I've heard otherwise. I'm not too sure. So I'm not I'm not native, but like I I did recognize it uh, as as being Welsh, and I find it personally delightful to listen to oh, okay. welsh and uh, uh south african are my my favorite uh, uh english accents Ooh. yeah i know i i don't know why what it is about accents but like beyond like american borders it's just like oof huff <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I, and even, anything like even Irish, within american yeah. borders oh mm, uh, well you're that. you're probably thinking uh, uh you're probably thinking like the irish Irish, Irish, as opposed to like my family's from uh, Northern Ireland, Ooh. and that is so. You've got sexy Ireland and you've got Northern Ireland. So, That's what, the best way to think about it. What is the opposite of sexy Ireland? <laughs> well, see, I grew up with an I grew up with an Ulster accent like that. There, Ooh. like it's very nasal. It's very yeah. You really chew the vials. Oh, I like that though. That's nice. Oh dear. <laughs> no, but like, if, <laughs> I, no, I, I'm coming from like more of the Pixar or Disney. Like, if you had a chance to change your fate, would you? You know, <laughs> just... that's Scottish, though. That's, oh, oh my God, yeah, you're no, right. They're very, they're very closely related. Obviously, ah, yeah, I'm so they're, sorry. They're both in the in the Celtosphere. Yeah. Oof. Um. Hey, but how about your how about yourself? Like, I'm I, I'm 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 still curious. Like, did you you mentioned having having uh, Japanese heritage? Did you did you learn the language? Yeah, actually, so I am half Japanese. Um, the, yeah. uh, as far as like my my know how or my like bilingualness. Um, so my great grandma, she was actually from Okinawa, Japan. Uh, I believe from Naha, oh, cool. and uh, she was uh, she and her husband moved over here, and they knew how to speak Japanese. So when I was like a toddler, uh, they did speak some English, and it was very broken English. But whenever I was like reading a manga or something like that, she would read a little to me. But beyond that, I didn't know much at the time. So like, you know, just being born and raised in America. Um, right. In high school, I started uh, learning more Japanese because I'm like, you know what? So my family just speaks it. So why don't I try to dive into my own culture? Right. Wow. And, yeah. 
Yeah, so from high school on for four years, graduated, took Japanese throughout the entire four years, um, went into college and did like another two more years of that. So I took about like six years of Japanese. Um, so, I was a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, the presentation so, is gorgeous. Ah, uh, thank you. And yeah, I did one host program in Okinawa, but I I basically have a very, um, like, I would say elementary level uh, speaking Japanese level right now. But uh, one thing that me and my boyfriend would like to do eventually would go to Japan and, like, try to go explore and then try to get. Oh, back. full immersion. <laughs> yeah, that would be another oh, like, culture awesome. shock. Um, so that'd be fun. Uh, Certainly, a place else. like like Okinawa, which which is not like when viewed from the outside, uh, Japan and Tokyo are indistinguishable, right? Like when viewed from the outside, mm. the Netherlands and Amsterdam is the same, because that's that's as much as you as you get of it. You know, but what? there's a huge diversity of cultures within. I'd say that's a fair, yeah, I'd say that's a fair generalization. That's a really good contrast there, because um, I like to make the like the contrast where. Hawaii as an island state compared to the mainland of America mm-hmm. of like North America specifically is like Okinawa to mainland <clears throat> Japan if that makes sense oh yeah no I get you there so you'll it's, have it's like slightly different dialects it's more of a country feel you'll have um, even though these both speak quote-unquote Japanese you'll find that there's a lot of headbutting between the two different like s- states because uh, you have Okinawa and they're like more champuru like that it's called where it's like more of a mix of like certain okinawan specific words so um okinawans um even like a lot of my family are very proud to be okinawan and they'll actually say like no we don't necessarily speak japanese we speak okinawan yeah 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 like it's a it's a a a dialect rather than a than an accent yes oh yeah very close to a language on its own it's got its whole <laughs> own culture and subculture going on. It's crazy town, like over there. <laughs> uh, I, I heard from a from a linguist that uh, the debate, the ongoing debate, like what's the difference between a dialect and a language, and that the current sort hmm. of consensus is that a language is a dialect with an army and a navy. A language is a dialect with an army and a navy. Yep, you get to call yourself hmm. a language if you've got the military might to to, to back it up, and if you don't, oh. then you're a dialect. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, oh wait, actually, you know what? I don't think I actually started the intro. <laughs> um, so hey guys, oh. welcome. Uh, yeah, I know I jumped the gun on that one. My bad. Uh, so hey guys, welcome to Tree Bark. This is episode, I believe this is 16 now. We're on, damn, 16. Uh, here we have a creator interview with uh, the great and powerful Kaki. Uh, Hi. <laughs> hey Kaki. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, we've already gone so far, but... Uh, would you like to give a little uh, introduction for yourself, for who you are and what you do, and let the people know uh, what you're about? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, no pressure. Um, uh, working in reverse order. Hi, I'm, uh, I'm Kaki. I used to go by, uh, uh, by Alex Vanson. Um, I've, done a, I've done a bunch of stuff in the, in the furry fandom over the, over the by now decades. Um, I was involved in some, like I used to, I, I'm, I'm, I'm what I like to call myself a recovered writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've been involved in publishing, uh, uh, now podcasting, some voice acting uh, uh, here and there. Um, yeah, just uh, I think just about everything except art. 
is is what I've been involved in. I'd say podcasting or writing is an art. Oh, sorry. No, you were obviously, uh, obviously you're yeah. right. Uh, although in all those uh, circumstances, like I tend to value craft over art. I, that's a, that's a distinction that I like to make. Well, in the same way that you like uh, when when you compliment someone uh, or someone compliments you, you're an artist yourself. You probably had this. Oh, you're so talented, and you, that sort of feels like mm, I know they mean well, but I'm actually quite skilled. Like, oh, okay, you yeah, know. I, I see that kind of direction. So it's like maybe um, when you consider like the fine arts or something like music or illustration or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm much less interested in the sort of, sort of esoteric. Oh, you have such a, someone has such amazing vision. I'm much more interested in the, in the work that they did and how they made something cool and they sat down and like honed it to, to improve. The craft itself. and improve themselves as well. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That kind of like disciplinary, like I'm going to hone my blade and sharpen my skills at this specific field and craft. I, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, I like that. Um, so yeah, you mentioned you're a photographer. Um, I did see. Oh yeah, that one too. Yeah. So I did see a lot of man. You have beautiful portraits. Um, like, like a lot of these. Like it is really nice and just reassuring to see that like people are still hanging out together and like looking at all these past con photos and everything looks. Oh, they look so beautiful and like that con space feel. Um, even though I've only had one yeah. con so far in my furry career. Uh, it's something oh, that really? I've missed so far. Yeah. Um, I've only been to one at BLFC in 2019. That was the last one. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a good one. It's pretty big. Actually, yeah. Right? It's it's a, it's not the biggest, but it is growing. Um, they've been doing pretty well for their numbers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard a lot of good things. Coming from the... Okay, so coming from Europe, uh, what cons mm -hmm. are big over there? I, I'm really just naive when it comes to that space. I've had a few friends oh, go yeah. to other Euro friends and stuff like that. Um, what What is uh, the, the space over there for the furry fandom? Uh, so it cons? used to be that the, 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 the biggest one was and still is Euro friends. Um, and that one's held in 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 Germany. Um, very early on, it used to move around around Europe, but now it's such a it's such a large organization and requires so much, uh, uh, you know, uh, regulatory support um, that it's it's settled in Germany because that's where they they know. And also, there isn't another like convention hotel uh, in Europe to. Uh, uh, that that supports this kind of event at that kind of uh, uh, that kind of scale in a single venue. Mm -hmm. uh, so are they're you... also bounded by that. What kind of numbers are we talking for Eurofriends itself? Uh, for American standards, like not not terribly high. I think three thousand, three thousand, four thousand. I, I may even be exaggerating, but even that's just just bounded by the uh, uh, the number of beds available. Oh, yeah, true. Um, <laughs> Uh, but nowadays, like we have a few other big ones as well. There's Confuzzled in the in the UK mm -hmm. um, that pulls similar numbers, and there was a, a Nordic Fuzzcon out in uh, out in Sweden um, started a few years ago, and it was a, and it was this lovely small cozy thing, and it just like it was such a good time and had such great word of mouth. Uh, they outgrew their venue uh, a few times as well, uh, and they're now rapidly growing as well because they're they're just doing very well. But myself. I like the smaller ones. I, like I, is with it, a, with is a big... it more of like a cozy feel? Like you're you're more secure with knowing like the group full of people instead of like tsunamis of of different people coming from all over the world. So, oh, that, it's weird that you put it like that because 
that's the like the tsunami of people from all over the world. That's the thing that that kept me attracted to uh, to Eurofriends and 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 oh. makes it like the only large con that I that I really uh, uh, really enjoyed over the over the last few years. Because yeah, you get oh man, uh, the venue is fantastic. It's got these big open spaces. Like there's barely any room parties because it's so much more fun to like go to the atrium and pick one of the bars and restaurants there, or go mm -hmm. to the, the beer garden on the on the on the riverside and sit around the fire pit and and and, and make music and. Like you've got the you've got the Ukrainians and the Russian furries with their with their big stacks of, of booze. You've got the the French furries over there carrying just atrocious wine, like really offending their heritage. <laughs> but there's a lot of it. And they're very happy to share, so that's great. Uh, you've got the, the 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 dogs from Cologne with their fantastic uh, uh, shisha pipes that you can sort of cozy up to. And but the thing I like about about smaller conventions, and we're talking mm. like up to about like three hundred people. Oh, uh, I mean, sense. yeah, yeah. Like that's up to that's the point where up to about like two, three hundred. You've only got the one track, so mm -hmm. there's there's never anything that you're missing out on. Is the is the big thing. So and, you meet like, you meet the same people over and over. You get to make new friends because you see each other. Mm hmm. And you, it, you you all go to the same events. I do like that. Like um, so for like these small cons with a few hundred, sometimes like in other states i've seen that that's actually just like sort of this big fur meat it's more of like a local meat yeah. and and it's kind of yeah. interesting to to feel out like what is the limit or what is the threshold between fur con and fur meat um so <laughs> i think an army and a navy yeah that's i the, think that's different you're a con <laughs> if you have an army and a navy <laughs> yeah eventually um <laughs> people will band together and then they'll organize themselves from a meet to a con um and it was really funny because i was talking to Severin earlier about uh his his oh. understanding and his uh career He's still in dreamy. I I know right. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I hope he gets to hear that. Uh, so, yeah, he went from from what he was telling me um, back in the day from going from like uh, anime conventions and whatnot. They really enjoyed that kind of lifestyle and just getting right. to know people. But it wasn't necessarily furry specific. It wasn't maybe there was a panel that they themselves would host, but uh, they're like, you know what? we don't have a thing for us in this state We're, let's start one ourselves um right so, so that's where they bridge that gap and that's what was so cool because um he was telling me all about um his experience developing that kind of space for furries and one oh, thing oh that's so cool i gotta hear that yeah a lovely lovely conversation um that'll be up shortly uh but that's something that I found myself in in, the, in this kind of predicament um, along with Blarg, whom was going over uh, based in Hawaii. Uh, we don't have that convention space kind of av readily available for furries or anything like that. So huh. the next step is like, maybe we can organize something small, gather attention, and then let's just see how it kind of advances from there, you know? Yeah. Well, and I also think like the... Like is the is the scale a goal in and of itself? Like, I mean, if you hmm. if you okay, you, you you can't really tell the difference between a, a, a large meet and a small con. So what is the difference? I mean, at at, at meets, do you you can do panels? You can just self-organize. You can you uh, and and you have the advantage that you stay within uh, uh like within a certain scale where you don't have a whole lot of regulatory uh, uh overhead. You know, health and safety requirements obviously are are, are apply sort of universally. Mm -hmm. But if it's just some friends together, then you don't need like 
permits from the the uh, from the fire brigade, or you don't need to like report your activities to the local police uh, uh, constabulary, so that, so that they know what's 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 going on. Like, it saves a it saves a lot of overhead. Yeah, to just kind of stay. Yeah, you're gonna have to develop. And, and, no, no, yeah, I, I, I can totally see yeah, that, because then what's the threshold for then developing the board to staff that, and then that becomes a job in and of itself, yeah. Which, you know, which is cool. I mean, uh, mad respect to the, the, the people who do it uh, for no money and uh, uh, shockingly, you know, little appreciation sometimes. Oh, no, I totally agree, and to be honest, um, that's in part, like, why some of my friends from Hawaii have always talked about, like, well, okay, we're going to go to the mainland... We're going to go to the convention, BLFC or AC, MFF, what have you. And hmm. we're going to volunteer eventually because, you know, we've loved this space for so long and we want to give back. Um, but <laughs> oh, that's so cool. There's this kind of duality, though. Like, don't give me too credit now because too much credit now because um, we're like, this is also our one time of the year to go on vacation from work, from our day jobs to go relax uh, yeah. and then to go enjoy the space. <laughs> so it's like, oh, maybe next yep. year or next con, you know? So it's a nice thought to have. Um, well, you know, it can work the other way around as well. Like uh, it's a, for, for, for first timers going to a con the first time, certainly if it's a, if it's a big one, that can be very intimidating. Oh, and sure. like having something to do and having a team uh, is like, is a huge boost. Mm-hmm. Like it can be, it can be a real confidence builder. It like gives you a reason to be th be there. Actually, that's something that that when I got into photography, uh, I found like really really helps with with stuff like social anxiety or or, or not knowing. Like, I mean, I, I I present myself as as something as an extrovert, right? That's 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 learned behavior. Mm -hmm. Natural introvert. I've learned these these behaviors and to present myself. One of the requirements. Uh, um, and this may sound familiar to some uh, to some listeners, but one of the requirements is that in, when I'm in a social situation, I have to know who I am, what my role is in that situation, and then I'm fine with it. Like, am I, you know, I, uh, do I have a, a, a position of, oh, I don't want to say authority, but like those few occasions that I've been uh, a guest of honor, right? Mm -hmm. Which is huge, huge, a huge honor that I, that, I, that I took very seriously, but then I know what I'm there for. I'm, I, I know how, how to interact with, uh, uh, with people, what they, what they expect. I'm representing the con, I'm representing, you know, a certain set of skills that they're, that they're interested in. Ooh, that sounds sinister. A certain <laughs> set of skills. Uh, but you have a, a sense of purpose. You have the objective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I think, yes, I think that's a, a very, uh, a very big thing. I know how people see me when I'm a, a photographer, I'm carrying the, the gear around like that. That helps immensely at, at weddings as well. I can model their expectations of me because that's something that um, uh, that that I find sort of drives social anxiety, where mm -hmm. uh, or insecurity, right? Mm -hmm. Where you just don't know exactly how you fit in somewhere. You don't know how someone else is going has, is going to respond because you can't really model how they see you. And then you get you know you you get in your own head with with maybe they don't think I'm cool, maybe they're too busy, maybe uh, whatever. And then in that if you time... have a model, then you can work with them. Yeah, in that time, you're when you're second guessing yourself and getting all this kind of anxiety. Like in the moment, you're just kind of on pause. You're not really focused on what's happening in the present and all the fun around you and stuff. Yeah, did you did you sort of have that that kind of experience um, when you went to BLFC, or did you have like a large group to go with? Well, uh, yes and yes, because I did have a lot of group of uh, a good solid group of close friends that I've had going to my first con at BLFC. 
Um, oh, but, wonderful. Yeah, and by and large, like anybody, any fur that has that has had um, a lot of experience at cons, um, highly recommends not going alone, having somebody to help you along the way, um, yep. w- which I had. So whenever, you know, I was with my group of friends to start off going to the convention, um, I saw all of the floor spaces and got a feel for the hotel itself at the Grand Sierra Resort, the GSR in Reno. Um, mm-hmm. So when you have that kind of nice like introduction, like, oh, okay, I'm familiar with everything. I'm not just kind of walking in blind and, you know, unassured that I'm going to, you know, meet people and have a fun time. Um, yeah. So it was that nice icebreaker, I would say, to have somebody take, take you around and give you a tour. Um, but when you want to branch off and then that's what I, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm kind of used to the space. I'll go on my own now. So I went into the different places like Dealer's Den, panels, the game room and stuff like that. And then it became a super huge uh, stimulus overload. So that's when I had to go run back to the room and kind of de-stress. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Um, how, how has that been for you entering? Like if you could kind of sum up your entry into the fandom in the con space for you and then kind of normalizing and then running through that space. Oh, see, my first con was fairly, uh, fairly late. So it was two thousand eight. I'd been, I'd been active. I mean, I'd, I'd known about the, yeah, I'd been, uh, I'd been in the local scene for, for about a decade at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was already doing publishing. Uh, you know, I had, a, had a Fang and Roar were the, were the first anthologies. I don't think Roar was uh, uh, yet active. And like, it was, it was further confusion. Two thousand eight, January two thousand eight, and. Originally, the intention was that um, my graphic novel, the graphic novel that I'd uh, that I'd written and produced, um, with uh, uh, that had been beautifully illustrated by an artist called Ayato and colored by Charha uh, uh, Distasty. Pardon me, Charha mm-hmm. did uh, uh, did work on the next volume, uh, and Kranos was involved and had a gorgeous cover by by, by Kamui. The whole thing was beautiful, and it was supposed to be ready for uh, FC, and then it wound up not being ready and i still uh-huh. had tickets to go there and yeah well uh, uh, the, it, it worked out eventually like we added a few more pages and then it uh, came out at ac but so i didn't get to be there for the uh, oh, for the launch no. oh no yeah it's a, too bad but i still got to do a few uh a few panels made a bunch of friends met a bunch of people that i that i'd known online mm-hmm. um it was it was it was it was quite easy kind of because i I, I, I sort of felt like a big deal. Um, and and this was probably the height of my narcissism. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, because um, coming from this kind of reminds me of just what you mentioned earlier about like coming into the space. So even for your first con, you had all of this set up in the background. You knew what you were going to the con space for with your material. Yeah, yeah. And, and I knew people there already. And I had, you know, I had, I, had, I was a voice of authority and I was the publisher and editor. Of the, yeah. So, I, you know, I could, I could walk in there like, hey, everyone, I'm Kaki. I'm kind of a big deal. Like a, like a, like a dork, ultimately. But hey. <laughs> How did that play out for you? It, so then, even considering like that kind of setback where things weren't ready when you were there? It was fine. Um, like, I was, I was, uh, 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 it was early enough. Uh, the the realization that it wasn't going to be done came weeks before. Oh, right. Okay. It would have it would have had to be printed weeks before in order to be uh, to be ready. Um, but it did have like a, a promotional plan. Like I I printed out. Uh, uh, we made preview packets. 
that we were uh, uh, giving away with certain purchases at the, mm -hmm. at the for Planet Table or was it for Nation? Nexus was still running it uh, when uh, when for Nation was still active uh, before for Planet was taken over by uh, by Fuzzwolf and Tyran. I say oh, taken yes. over like that, yes. you know they but they managed uh, it now. took ownership. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and have done successfully for for now many many years. It's not like it was a hostile takeover or anything. No, I mm -hmm. don't know. Maybe it was a coup. Maybe it was a violent, you know, pitchforks and who knows. Hmm. Well, probably not. To... Please don't take that seriously. That was a joke. That that was not libel or slander. I mean, from what I've listened to over the past couple of years from Southpaws themselves, they seem like pretty humble, genuine folks, and I I really do like their material too. Especially yeah, from Fuzzwolf, he seems like a down to earth guy. I really do like that. They they both are they're 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 fantastic I I love them to bits I photographed their wedding when they uh, when they oh. got hitched in the oh. uh, uh, in 2014 15 oh yeah it was so cute and the food oh. was so good oh yeah yeah trust Texans eh oh yeah oh oh yeah oh so you flew in from oh wow so wait yeah yeah actually um can I just want to kind of back it up a bit so coming from yeah, sure. the uh so you're not only a writer but you do also uh like production or like publishing specifically um in... uh i did yeah so um and then you were affiliated with fur planet or there's also like rabbit valley that i can think of or sora wolf um no sofa wolf my sofa bad. wolf yeah sofa yeah. wolf yeah um how did you become uh, affiliated so... in that space well, as a as a as a young writer with with great ambitions, um, I was uh, I was writing a story series on uh, uh, Yifstar, nowadays known as Sofuri, mm -hmm. uh, and and it was it was quite popular, and there was a like it was it was a really cool time looking back on it in in furry writing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Carl Gold likes to call it the uh, the Wild West era <laughs> of furry writing, which is just so great. And yeah, there were there were bunch of a bunch of punks obviously kyle was leading the pack he had uh he had a couple novels out at that at that time vol was the first one mm -hmm. um and and publishing was was sort of transitioning from the from the 90s model of of zines and like some of those zines were surviving as as magazines so you had heat from sofa wolf press so i sent my first story to to, to heat uh mm -hmm. for submission for consideration and like three days later they still hadn't responded and i was outraged how could they not recognize the brilliance of my story and immediately accept it? So, uh, 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 I told this story as well on on South Africa a podcast that I was on recently. So I'll, I'll summarize it here. Um, like, I kind of decided to to do to look into doing my own uh, anthology, just because I was so impatient to get accepted into somebody else's, and uh, uh, that that wound up becoming. Um, uh, uh, like a book size anthology called Fang, which mm -hmm. is still running. So I did the like the first three volumes of that, and it was uh, I, I like to describe it as as stone soup. Um, uh, uh, if you're familiar with that that metaphor, like the idea of it could be anything. I well, well, I pretended it was something that it wasn't. I pretended mm. that it was a big deal and that I'm a good editor and that this book is going to be fantastic and highly regarded and you better send in your best material otherwise it won't be good enough for fang and so people did send in their best material and it did become very oh, good wow <laughs> so yeah i mean if you want to dream big if you know object perceived as object achieved right so oh yeah yeah so i think that that it's it takes that confidence sometimes to believe in yourself and your work to just say hey i'm gonna do this thing and no matter what i'm gonna push for it as hard as i can and make it a reality 
and that is like kind of like sort of my ethos too as an artist and do like mad props for that right too. yeah yeah i see that uh i have I have modified that a bit with the uh, with 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 years of experience where uh like yes definitely dream big like mm-hmm. big dreams are, are are very satisfying and um certainly if you if you if you come at it like, like rationally okay so I wanted to publish my own book I went and looked like what's it what's it going to take I I very quickly saw that traditional publishing uh, uh, uh technology was kind of out of my budget range because uh like traditional screen printing Mm -hmm. you probably want to start with like a thousand copies before it really becomes uh uh, economically viable and at that time there were not a a lot of books in the furry fandom that had sold a thousand copies like i think maybe associated student bodies was a broke the 1k barrier and even then it was only one of the uh, one of the issues i think i think Mm -hmm. uh if i'm if i'm paraphrasing uh, uh uh Sean and Andrew Rampett from Rampant Valley correctly enough. The many, many stories that they like to tell over the over drinks when they're in their uh, in their element. Um, but then I found uh, uh, print on demand, and it was a company called Lulu.com. They're still operating, but there's there's competitors now. But there, the idea is like you upload a PDF, and for actually quite a lot of money for like uh, uh, three or four cents a page. I don't know how the math works out, but ultimately, like you want a you want a three hundred page book, uh, and it costs say six to eight dollars to print, but per copy. So mm-hmm. you can make this book, and if nobody buys it, it costs you nothing because none of them get printed. So it costs you nothing. And as soon as someone buys it, then from the from the cost uh, the price that they pay, eight dollars is subtracted, the copy is printed and sent to them. So okay. there, with actually very little money, you can make a book, and if it sells a lot, well. Cool. You you've just made some some money. You would have made more money if you sank in the uh, uh, the two or three thousand dollars to have a thousand of them printed in advance, because then it's a lot cheaper, right? In the bulk order. Uh, but then there's also yeah. The, there's also that uh, other flip of the coin where there's no guarantee in if you're going to have that order sell out entirely, right? Correct. So the I mean, okay. So like coming from I guess. Uh, how how have you seen in your career in the writing scene from like you know where you're developing i i guess like i have a few friends too they want to they mm-hmm. admittedly started from like the zootopia days and in like 2016 and writing their own zootopia fanfics and stuff and then now they're oh, maturing, awesome <laughs> yeah they're maturing more into the fandom because they found that space i didn't know that there was actually like a different faction of like f- it, it it's funny because some of my friends they didn't identify as a furry but they were Zoot- Zootopia people. Oh yeah, no, I I totally get that. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> that's that's been part of the furry fandom forever, dude. Like, and I didn't the... know there were so many factions. It's just mind blowing. I always find something new, and I'm like, wow, I didn't know yeah, that right. existed. Yeah, and it's like for how long? Um, but <laughs> uh, so they they came. From... I like to call them generation. That's because Gen- really you had yeah. like you had like the Robin Hood generation and you had the uh, uh, the Lion King generation and the Digimon generation mm-hmm. and, and whatever else was was in between but it's yeah it's all under like this umbrella of furry you just don't know what you just have to figure out what generation you're from <laughs> but you were yeah. furry all along um, <laughs> yes yeah that's yeah that's when the bomb drops uh, <laughs> so uh, so yeah they developed from that generation then let's call it yeah the Zootopia generation um, and then they got into more writing spaces for you yourself, Khaki. Like, what was the the like impetus where you? I mean, even before you got to that point of making your own um, 
publishings and whatnot. Uh, what mm-hmm. what did you get into the writing for, and how did it, I guess, mature into the furry space specifically? Because um, it could be in or out of the fandom, of course. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I had done some creative writing uh, outside the fandom. I was interested in uh, in science fiction. It, it didn't really it didn't really stick with me as a, as a long term uh, hobby when I was in uh, in secondary school. I wrote a science fiction story. I co-wrote a, a, a like a gonzo comedy sci-fi story with a, a with a classmate of mine, and we sent that off to some some contest. And oh, we would have placed. We would have been in the in in the top ten, except there was one jury member who like some of the jury members gave us like nine out of ten, eight out of ten, seven out of ten was the mm-hmm. was the lowest. And then this one dude gave us a one out of ten because he just did not appreciate. He didn't think it was funny. And we're like, or he didn't like get that it's yes, it's a comedy. It's 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 wild. That's that's allowed. Have you not read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? We were so mad about this dude, but he's dead now. So I guess justice is oh, served no. by the universe. No, I said that's a terrible thing. Uh, they they did wind up naming the award after him uh, post mortem, which mm, still leaves me just a little bit bit. I can't let it go, man. I just let it go. Uh, a tiny bit of bitterness. <laughs> sorry, that's a horrible anecdote. <laughs> no, it's okay. But but he's not uh, here but now. So yeah. no, that's yeah. <laughs> sort of like to tell that story like a vodka ant. But he's dead now, so I guess it all worked out. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I kind of I I don't remember exactly how I found furry writing. Oh no! Oh no! I do remember. Yeah, there was. Oh wow. Um, so my, my early social uh, furry forays were in the Furnation Talker. It was like a, a it, it wound up on IRC. It's a some type Sorry? of is this uh, some form of like message board or uh, whatnot? Uh, it's more like a it's more like a live chat. So IRC, if that says something, basically like a Telegram group these okay. days, you'd, you'd you'd call it. Except okay. it was hosted first on a website and then on an IRC server. Yeah, was, these were the dark ages of technology. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, like yeah, it was a local, uh, or sorry, not a local. It was it was fairly international, but it had its, uh, uh, it had like yeah, you'd, you'd see the same people there. So that was the first place that I made real furry, uh, uh, furry friends. And gosh, I haven't thought about this in twenty years. But I I did sort of write some kind of fantasy uh, story featuring some of the people in there. Oh God. And it, and it like in jokes like the uh, magical artifacts like the 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 ring of ping ping was a big deal in IRC because you, that would lose your connection or you uh, <laughs> and the spear of peer peer is also one of those wow those are the memes back okay. then <laughs> yeah I guess <laughs> yeah um but but what really got me into uh, into writing fiction uh, uh, properly was I know this very 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 well. Uh, K.M. Hirosaki's Blue Forest stories on on Yifstar. It was a it was a world in which he set an anthology of, of stories, and they were all kind of kind of dark and and urban and gritty, and it dealt with uh, 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 substance abuse and uh, 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 you know uh, abusive relationships and and hot sex and 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 uh, 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 systems of oppression. Mm-hmm. And it was just it just blew my mind that this was so intense, and there was these 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 furry characters, and it was a a, a world that supported anthropomorphization mm-hmm. had this and, and yeah those yeah, themselves I wanted to are, do that they're pretty dark themes actually and yeah they are I, I i can't help but think like about something that kyle gold mentioned before about so in a interview somebody had um that when they were an up up and coming uh, author and mm-hmm. when when he poked uh kyle about 
about the anthropomorph uh, I can't speak the anthropomorphization <laughs> of characters that kind of alleviates the audience for like relating to the character going through those tough times and that was such an interesting yeah. concept so when you cover these kind of dark themes or even LGBT themes having them as like animal people is a lot more relatable in some texts yeah no i think there's a uh, there's a lot to that because you can you can approach the anthropomorphization from a lot of different angles there's uh, sort of fabulous like fables right so uh, mm -hmm. animal uh, personality archetype that you mm -hmm. associate but even even without that if you if you write a world where uh, they are just animals and either it has its own internal logic that maybe isn't important to the plot or it has no internal logic and it's just you know it's just essentially humans but with uh, with tails and that's how you want to write them even then uh, uh, just as you say like the fact that they're that they're uh, animal people and we have childhood associations with uh, animal people stories and and fiction there's a certain like aspect of uh, it's more it's more comforting mm -hmm. and you don't yeah, it's it's not so it doesn't it doesn't attack you as hard necessarily. I mean, yeah, you uh, look, you look at your like breakfast cereal or something, and it's like a big daddy tiger, or it's a wolf, yeah. or it's a bunny who does who wants <laughs> yeah. tricks. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, you got like kind of the gears turning for me. It's like growing up, how is everyone not a furry? Because right, there's so much media, <laughs> there's so much you consume that's just based on fuzzy, cute things. <laughs> yeah. Uh the big daddy tiger like, oh i'm sorry did oh, i put it like that i didn't even that didn't even cross my mind sometimes i just say things like that that's literally what you said it's so good and it's so right and i love that uh, uh that the, the kellogg's account like their their response when um when furries got sort of huffy at oh, uh, uh at Tony the tiger yeah <laughs> but it, it was like so inclusive it like uh, uh, uh that I, I everybody should should let their that their feathers and their and their fur fly but uh uh, let's keep it clean because cubs might be watching. Oh my and like, that is totally right. <laughs> I I do remember where some people were actually being feeling honored where it's like, oh, daddy, uh, <laughs> da oh my God, what was his name now? I, I Tony, 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 the Tony the Tiger. Yeah, yeah, daddy Tony blocked me. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that was a stamp of approval in their eyes. It's so funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, so how do and you... now we have Quinn the quarantine fall. Oh wait, who who is that? Quinn the oh who? god, I thought it, yeah, it's like the uh, uh, the centers for disease control and uh, uh, yeah, like they have a they have a mascot animal for uh, the COVID nineteen crisis and to, and to like stay indoors. Oh my God! You haven't seen okay, this. I'm, so I'm looking this up right now. As Quinn uh, the sorry, quarantine fox. Okay, okay. And they have obliquely like a, a, a acknowledged like the furry fandom. Like there is a there's a group of people out there, and you know who you are, who've really uh, uh, taken to, to Quinn the Quarantine Fox, and please know that we love you. Okay, so I'm looking... Quinn the Quarantine Fox says, Stand by your pan. Unattended cooking is the number one cause of home fires. Oh, God. Okay, well... <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. um, he says some whack shit. Keep, keep your hand sanitizer in its original bottle, not in something like maple syrup bottle. A real thing I saw someone do. Okay, thanks, Quinn. Yes, right. Oh I mean, he is just a fox. It's not like he's a he's a trained professional. Laundry packets are poisonous. Keep laundry packets locked up and out of the reach of kids. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank oh, you. Practical advice. I like it. Right? And from a fox, too. Hell yeah. 
Oh god, that was risk. <laughs> oh god, okay, I'm getting too much into the Quinn memes now. I'm just gonna, I just, you, you take your time. Like, this is, this is, this is a joy. You, you're one of today's lucky 10,000. No, thank you. Oh, okay. Never leave children alone in the bath. Always stay within arm's reach. You know, that's practical advice. And Right? Darn it. If people don't have this as common sense, I don't know what's wrong with the world. Hey, oh, everybody reads a reminder now and then. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I, I totally got derailed. Um, but... <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Um, uh, Quinn has that effect on people. But, but yeah, like you, you just discover something new every now. But uh, so you were mentioning though um, about how, oh yeah, we, we were talking about the anthropomorphization. But then, oh yeah, I mm -hmm. wanted to know more specifically about your maturation though, as you, because you're an artist, you're an author. I, I consider that like top of line. Like you're an artist. Um, All right. Yeah. Sure. So. Like for myself too, I've I've been drawing for like three years, and I've noticed that I've improved in that way. How how have you seen um like your writing styles or something changed in that field for yourself? You know that one's actually um hmm like so I don't consider myself a, a writer anymore. Oh, I'm um, sorry. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, like I like the joke is a, a, a recovered writer, but uh, uh, I sort of eased out of writing. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, let me see. When would it? be well, 2010 thereabouts and i didn't really like get back uh, into it and partly was i developed a, a repetitive strain injury in my in my fingers and uh like my day job involved a lot of typing mm -hmm. so i just had to ease back on the amount of typing i did and it really it really did help and then i never wound up getting getting back to it and i kind of, I kind of struggled for several for several years to like figure out what was what was happening because when does this fall into like yeah. something in the line of like what artists have, like artist block or writer's block specifically? I guess that's what I was. That's what I was thinking because I've 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 dealt with writer's block before, and I I I, I wrote a series of uh, uh, blog post essays called the Not Writer, mm -hmm. uh, which dealt with the <laughs> idea of not writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, all the Wait. excuses. K N O T. No, no, no. <laughs> shucks. <laughs> I thought it was a pun there. Okay. <laughs> um, but so I thought I thought maybe maybe that's it is uh, like block is is mm -hmm. like a log jam in your brain right where you have the desires and ideas of performance and and they just they they all cram together and they don't fit through an aperture in your mind that they would normally would fit through one at a time and it just results in more and more pressure building up and nothing coming coming through um mm -hmm. and I, I thought for a while that maybe that was it or you know your passion can uh, you know it can flag a little bit just like in in relationships uh, you go through cool and and, and hot periods mm -hmm. over over multiple uh, multiple years and that's also a natural development uh, so to, to, to answer your first question uh, uh the, the the sort of maturation um i think that's a that's sort of an organic process that's that's really hard to see while you're while you're in it and at best you can look back at your earlier work and oh, and you can cringe and and think <laughs> that's so bad and that's a really i think that's a really bad thing to do because you look back okay so it's not as good as you as you as you do it nowadays well that you weren't who you are yet right exactly, you did yeah. You know, you, you look at this old shit that you made, and it's and it's and this is wrong, and that's wrong, and, and that's garbage. You did the best that you could with the knowledge that you had, and the skills that you'd learned, and the time and the energy that you had available for it, and that was genuinely the best you could do at the time, and that's great. Like everyone's best is their is their best, and that's and that's great. Like 
if you look at an image or in your case like an image that you that you wrote in the past or i look at the story that i that i wrote in the past and it's and it's kind of disappointing and i remember that i half-assed it like yeah mm -hmm. that's a that's a thing to go oh, mm, that wasn't my best because i didn't i didn't try my best but if i know that i tried hell yeah that's that's fantastic and and you have to sort of force yourself to to really appreciate it and also there may be stuff in there that you've like that you've lost the habit of right there may be like insights or techniques or uh, 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 approaches that you just don't do anymore that that sort of inspire you you know what i should i should i should do that again like that was cool i don't know why i stopped yeah it's like mm, i okay i don't know why i'm not doing that anymore and it it, it yeah. kind of yeah is summed up like you said it's this time stamp or time capsule of like who or what your best effort was then and it's like that's the only thing you can compare yourself to is who you were before right um yeah that's yeah oh that's really beautifully put um so like okay so yeah you said it's a very like maturation itself is very reflective and it's just this organic process sort of just unfolding before you as you go along your path um so going from yeah. like for yourself diving into like what the art block was for you you mentioned you wrote about it and you shared about it um did that lead you into a different path like the podcasting specifically or uh, like audiobooks um what what was the sort of deviation there then that you took um i think looking back on it um it uh, like an addiction to new project energy mm. so this also may sound familiar to to yourself and some of our, our our listeners um getting getting like super into a new creative outlet and like being a voracious autodidact like teaching yourself everything about it. Uh, uh so like progressing from writing and then it was a writer established but I kind of liked the the feeling of of being a rising something of of becoming very good at something out of that I was passionate about out of nowhere mm. and then writing wasn't doing that for me anymore and so uh, 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 editing I really got into that and uh, like making people's stories better and doing that as part of the publishing and I actually enjoyed that more than the writing because I got the same um, the same kind of uh, uh, hunt for excellence out mm. of it without having to supply the the, the creativity and the self-doubt that comes with, with that myself. So I really enjoyed editing other people's stories. And I also enjoyed reading them and narrating them and, and bringing them to life. I, I, I did a few uh, story readings um, or, yeah, uh, the, the Bad Dog Book, no, the Bad Dog Book podcast mm -hmm. in, in 08. I think that's the air now, but that was like a, a scripted show that we did to promote Bad Dog Book. Uh, and and some of the editors like Ben Goodridge uh, uh, helped and supplied stories and we did story readings and had little little skits it didn't last very long it was hugely uh, labor intensive. Mm. Um, what were some of the ideas I, there? How do you mean? Um, so going from like promoting for this type of material, you did skits and everything. Uh, what was the the sort of uh, inspiration to pursue that, or was that sort of sort of short lived uh, hard labor, like you said? Yeah, I think it. I think it was uh, um, mostly like an excuse and justification for uh, a, a new project, mm -hmm. um, because like writing comedy and and performing it like that was, that was lots of fun, and I was able to do it in a context that would hopefully like provide opportunities to promote Bad Dog Books book. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. uh, we were doing novels at the time and uh, and and Fang and Roar as I as I mentioned, so that was uh, that was fun. Later on, uh, Skip Ruddertail and Toonsis. Um, uh, they wanted to do their own like story review podcast, mm -hmm. and uh, Skip was an editor at uh, uh, at Bad Dog Books, 
uh, at the time. And so we sort of folded that in and I helped them like produce a show. It was called uh, The Bad Dog Book Club. Um, and it was a cool format where alternating weeks, one week you'd have a story reading and the next week uh, Toonsers and Skip would uh, discuss and review it. And I did a bunch of those readings, which was a, a lot of fun. Uh, but sorry, I'm digressing again. But like to your to your question, uh, I think looking at the time, I thought I was just exploring new avenues to make projects that I was doing more successful through another medium. Right. Mm. So I was doing, I was doing writing, and then I want I, I like publishing, so I wanted to do more editing, and then mm. I had this 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 publishing thing, the mm. book, and then I wanted to promote that with uh, uh, material in other mediums like podcast. But I think really, in in retrospect, I was just hunting for that new project high. The new drive um, of pursuing the like the next chapter that that sort of elevates you in learning more of like this new because yeah when you get into that new uh, phase or that new topic or craft or you know um, mm-hmm. field of work you're learning the ins and outs and everything is new and everything is a surprise in a way and yeah that's what you want to pursue and get better at okay I got you yeah now there's a there's a flip side to that as well which is like. You're, you can dream big, which I, I always encourage, but you're, you're not bounded by, by experience. And that feels nicer mm-hmm. than when you're dreaming big within, uh, within a medium that you already know. So if you're a writer, staying within writers, writing, but then you've already had some disappointments. You've already encountered some of the boundaries of, of what is practical. Um, and then when you explore a new medium, like it has not limitations. It can be, it can be anything, but that's, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a, I mean, it's a bit of a shame because there is, there is so much to learn from from failure, from uh, from from being stuck in something. Like that's where real maturation uh, uh, occur. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I I mentioned that I that I stopped writing. It wasn't because of writer's block. Eventually, I, I sort of figured out I just didn't love it. I just I just didn't love it mm-hmm. anymore. There was a lot of stuff that around writing that I that I loved. I love the community, and now that I'm doing I'm doing a, a story reading pod, Voice of Dog, and that's getting me in touch with the writing community again, which I love. So I get to talk to all of these authors, uh, and I'm like I'm a card holding member of the Furry Writers Guild, so mm-hmm. I'm back in that uh, in that group, and I get to, get to chat with them and, and contribute something to the furry writing scene that doesn't require me to write, and that's that's great that sounds like the best yeah that sounds like the best of both worlds because it's kind of like you have your roots in the writing and you know Mm -hmm. like you've gone yeah to being an editor as well and you've come full circle where you can now appreciate and share that experience with other people now and yeah yeah wow that's really awesome (laughs) oh see i i love it when uh the 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 fruits of my various obsessions are useful to someone who's uh, 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 who's who's exploring and and becoming good at something totally, new? Totally, yeah. The that's so rewarding. So, so yeah, in its way, it's like it's like giving back at the same time of experiencing something new and enjoyable for you now. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, so and it works you... on all levels. Like it's not it's not just for you know for 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 young people coming up, but uh, uh, there are there are skills that I've developed that are useful to to people on like. I'm working with uh, uh, with an artist in in Germany, Alector Fencer, mm-hmm. uh, and she she published uh, a, a fantastic uh, graphic novel called uh, the correct pronunciation is Mure M Y R E Meyer you'd say in in English, but Mure is the is the closest like uh, uh, um, uh, oh what's called what does compromise mean? between this Mure sorry what does Mure, Mure yeah Mure mean uh, it's the it's the name of the protagonist oh she's oh, okay. uh, uh, 
Yeah, so in an, in an anthropomorphic, uh, 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 wondrous, desolate fantasy world, she's uh, she's a wanderer in this uh, in this wasteland with a with a destiny that she she can barely uh, understand. And she's so cool. She's she's tough, and she's uh, uh, she's dismissive. Uh, she has a she has a really cool uh, sort of dragon like mount that she that she has a very close relationship with. They're they're like her, a familiar her, her only. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like her only companion in her wandering through this this desolate, uh, 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 hard uh, uh, landscape that's just gorgeous. So, like that 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 first book was was kickstarted a few years ago and uh, uh, took to great success. So nominated for awards, like published in uh, uh, several languages by now. Um, and then she she wanted to do an interstitial project called Haunter of Dreams before before the next book, which wound up becoming way bigger than she uh, than she intended. Mm -hmm. And this book was really interesting because it's a uh, it's set in the same world, but it's like a, a child's like fantasy slash nightmare. The the protagonist, this little little bunny dude, and he's got a big head and he's so cute. <laughs> um, but it's told entirely without words. Uh, Wait, a so... novel or a graphic novel? A graphic novel, sorry. Okay. It's, so it's fully illustrated. It's uh, <laughs> but there are no words, and so I was able to help her uh, with my my study and experience of uh, narrative science, uh, 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 like how does how does drama structurally work? Mm -hmm. uh, which is something that is really helpful when you when you're trying to convey a, a, a story to understand the conventions that readers are like almost intuitively used to, without knowing what they are. In the same way that you can like. Like, how many how many native English speakers can correctly use a subjunctive clause without knowing what it is? You just it, know how to do it. Learned, yeah, yeah. If you had to figure uh, that uh, out every time while you said it, that would be like overloading. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and you mentioned learning uh, Japanese to to high competence as a, as a young adult. Like, that's a whole different experience. Uh, lots of people speak mm. proper, you know. People who grew up with it probably speak better Japanese age nine than you do age than you did age nineteen, mm -hmm. uh, and learned it faster. You know we have young spongy brains. At so uh, being able to contribute the experience and a knowledge that I built up as a as a writer to an artist of really stupendous uh, uh, skill and and experience, but who needed uh, or who could use. Uh, those insights like that's that's been fantastic also uh, uh, I, I worked with uh, Colson Colson Granger uh, previously uh, a, a fantastic musician who's uh, now making a new furry career as a as a, as a comic writer this, this beautiful uh, Sweet Leaves it's called mm -hmm. and it's it's an LGBT uh, family uh, uh, comic um, about two dads and their and their son um, and like it's 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 full of puns and, and the most fantastical uh, uh, magical realist comedy and it's also very like grounded as well mm -hmm. while being I... fantastical so the first issue is like all about the the kid asks you guys make a bunch of noise in bed at night like what are you doing are you, are you doing a special <laughs> cuddle you know you can't have a baby right and they just have a fucking meltdown because <laughs> oh, they're unprepared no. and it's beautifully beautifully illustrated but there like he wanted to tell this story he really wanted to tell this story and he has, you know, he's a, he's a project, uh, 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 he has experience as, as project manager in his professional life. And so he was, you know, contracting authors and, and uh, artists and, and, and making budgets. Um, but he wanted to get this right. And so I, like, sort of mentored him uh, uh, almost. And we ran through the, like, had him write out the script. Okay, cool. 
now we're going to write it again but we're going to fix this this we're going to we're going to fit it into this number of pages now mm -hmm. you're going to put page uh, borders in there okay now look at it again what you have here is uh, 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 you start on a yeah this is not going to work if it's ever printed because if it's printed then surprises have to be on even numbered pages because then uh, uh, when you flip a page, you see the surprise rev revelation on the left-hand side. That's oh, where the wow. uh, even-numbered page. Whereas if you put a surprise on an odd-numbered page, then someone's already going to see it out of the corner of their eye when they're reading the previous one. Right? Shit like that that you you don't know unless you've tried it. And someone who has tried it can tell you about it, and you can oh, and you can just skip like months of 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 work or lots of errors that you mm -hmm. that you otherwise regret. Even going down to the composition of the number of the page. Wow. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have, and, like, this... I guess it's because, like you said, like, nobody knows what looks good, but it, to, to the untrained eye, you don't know what went into composing that itself. As an artist, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're very familiar with that. The, mm -hmm. the, 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 the rule of thirds, uh, uh, the golden ratio, exactly, the, the, the Fibonacci exactly. spiral. Uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, compositional lines. That's Stuff really... that you don't know is missing... That's what's really cool, though. It sounds like how you mentioned it, it, it sort of transcends into all these other different forms, though, that no matter, like, what creative space you're in, there are those sort of practical ways to go about it. Yeah. And that as an experienced uh, a practitioner of, uh, of that particular medium, like, it takes you an hour to teach someone something that took you a year to learn. Mm -hmm. for, for sure, yeah. Right? As, a, as, a, as an artist, I'm sure that you have that experience as well. And yeah, like, again, like, that's why it sort of goes into this other, like, sort of just small argument where um, you have an artist that charges an X amount of dollars that seems kind of like a lot where it's like, well, it took you 10 minutes to draw this. Well, to draw this in 10 minutes took me 10 years. So then that sort of justifies the price and everything. Yeah. And yep. <laughs> it's yep. like, it's like, well, try to also draw that thing and put yourself in the shoes of like what skill and what what it took that person to go through to learn that. And then you'll see. Um, yeah, yeah, and the and the <laughs> economics of uh, uh, being a being a full time practitioner of that that skill. Like I, yep, I have a yep. side gig as a as a wedding photographer. Now, wedding photographers charge a lot of money, and for for a long time, like I sort of struggled with charging that much uh, uh, money. But I like objectively looking at the quality of my photography. That's the sort of bracket that I'm in. That's what I'm. That's what I'm worth. And mm -hmm. like, you can't do. Uh, a, a, a wedding every day like you, you shoot a wedding and you, you've got a few days of uh, uh, post-processing after that but certainly for people whose whose livelihood and business it is if they have like a wedding every every week as a as a solo wedding photographer like shit that's a lot that it's yeah. it's, it's very draining work uh but you still gotta you still gotta make a living Yep, you gotta keep um, up, and that's only a gig. Like you're going from gig to gig. There's no necessarily like steadiness with that too. So yeah, like you're your own entrepreneur in that sense. Yep, yep, and you gotta like, yeah, the gigs that you get also have to uh, have to support you during the during the lean times. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, Eve. I mean, well, like, what kind of predicament are we in now? Actually, <laughs> gosh, yeah. Um, so I've I'm sure for people who have like you know dealt with like who are maybe exclusive just wedding photographers like what kind of situation yeah. are they in now you know um, oh it's terrible i'm because like, it's all like if 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 the the electric boogaloo which is my little pet name for uh the coronavirus if the electric <laughs> boogaloo had not had not struck i would literally right now 
be on a plane to uh, uh, to Florida. Like yesterday, I was I was I had I had two weddings booked in May. One of them was was in the Netherlands, was in in my in my town even, which is great. That would have been yesterday, and then I would have had like four out of hours of sleep. And then it would have gotten on a plane where it would be right now off to Florida, where I've got I, I would have had another uh, uh, wedding to shoot tomorrow. Oh my god! That would have been a crazy weekend. But yeah, neither of those are happening. Like one of them has been rescheduled to to September, and knowing my luck, the other one will be scheduled within you know less than forty eight hours. So I'll have even less. Uh, it'll be how and like might I just ask from my my own yeah. like my my own naivety but do you also have a a, a regular day job or like yeah 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 um, oh my how do you uh, do did... it all um just... well i i mean yeah i have a regular day job as a a, a ux designer user experience designer that took mm -hmm. a that took a while to roll into uh, uh, into that one Actually, like that changing career from like 10 years ago, I was in admin, I was in like procurement for a, for a help desk. Mm -hmm. um, and among other things, uh, furry projects that I did helped me switch careers. Like I helped with the, the redesign of Yifstar to eventually become uh, so furry. And then like wow. that initial design was new good. So did that again. And, and, it, and it became largely what it is today. Since then, other designers have worked on it as well. But the experience of of doing uh, uh web design interaction design and uh, uh data uh, uh data modeling or data accessibility modeling mm -hmm. um those wound up getting me some other opportunities that allowed me to like i am the design lead in my in my small but growing company now and that that really did sort of grow out of out of side gigs that i did in the in the furry space first and that's I a yeah, so it, it became from sort of this humble hobby to a passion project to, you know what, I'm going to go all in. And that transition mm. sort of like going down the avenue and uh, going from like, yeah, like your photography space, the online revamp uh, for, you said, uh, UX design for Yifstar? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it came out of... Um... So... I briefly ran uh, a, a sort of story website called Furrag. Mm -hmm. um, that I, I say briefly, like it, it, it lasted for, for for quite a while and was quite popular among among authors because nowhere was really providing a good space to showcase writing and and to find it really well. Like the the best game in town was Yifstar, mm -hmm. um, but some people like disliked that it was. It had YIF in the title, and it was uh, it was largely for stroke fiction, which is great. Love porn, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, but like for Affinity, was garbage for uh, for stories. Like the best thing you could have was like a download link to a doc. Yes. Um, so for you, like, where do you get like the intonation? To be like, this can be improved. Like, who can I see to improve this? And then how do you network from there? Um, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, I wish someone had asked me that question like that. Uh, uh, like that first because my my instinct at the time uh and it was part of like the the, the narcissism that i struggled with uh like i've talked about how extroversion is a is a learned behavior when you're an introvert and you want to you want to you want to do certain things you you learn extrovert behavior totally totally i agree yeah and then um like you're sort of uh you're you're impersonating a confident person who is probably also a narcissist and like in my case i discovered way too late that narcissism, that wasn't an, an act. That was that was really what I was in it for. 
huge like like uh, uh, desire to feed my ego with uh, uh, with pride, mm -hmm. which I didn't realize, and like now I I've sort of scraped the surface of and still struggle with it. I still never quite know whether when I'm I'm, I'm displaying a confident behavior. Am I doing that because a I'm super passionate about what I'm doing? Yes. B yes. I want to yeah I want to inspire people to have that confidence. Or C I'm a huge egotist and I like the prey. I'm like it's always A B and C, but oh, which one? Of, yeah, that's sort of like the dip when you when you're gonna throw yourself out there as the introvert because um, are you being true to yourself or are you gonna try and embody something and let that become you? Um, yeah, that it, it's sort of like going into the fire and then because like you, you I don't think you should let a lot of fear necessarily guide where you go but you may be burned a little along the way though to make that analogy analogy um, yeah so I guess then you can get a little bit like into the complex of like sometimes um, isn't there a thing called oh gosh I'm blanking now um, about mm -hmm. impersonation uh, impersonation syndrome is that a oh uh, um, um, or oh, imposter no, I'm no, imposter. imposter syndrome that's it, the one exactly. the opposite of the Dunning-Kruger effect the what? <laughs> what oh, was the Dan, the Dan and Kruger effect. I've never heard of that. Dunning Kruger effect. It's uh, it's a it's a syndrome. Well, it's it's described as a, a phenomenon where people who are where incompetent people overestimate their own competence. <laughs> okay, so imposter syndrome. You probably know, right? So when we I struggle with imposter from... syndrome, mm -hmm. eh? Mm -hmm. So when we struggle with imposter syndrome, we look at a we we look at a task. And uh, gosh, this seems this seems tough. Uh, and we try to perform the task. And if it's easy, we assume that it's easy for everyone else. And if it's hard, we assume that we're not very good at it, right? That's the imposter syndrome. Gosh, I'm just pretending at being a, a photographer or writer or artist or, or whatever. And I'm nowhere near as good as all these other people who are consistently uh, uh, good because you see them from the outside and you see yourself from the inside. Yeah, so that's where imposter syndrome like live. Mm -hmm. And the opposite of that is certain types of people um, when something is easy, they think it's because they're naturally uh, good at it. They're somehow miraculously good at it. And when something is is hard, they think that it's not worth doing. And there's a there's a sort of arrogance and a, and a, and a detachment from reality oh, that certain okay. people uh, display, where they consistently overestimate their uh, their ability. So then do you find like that there has to be this balance within yourself to sort of mitigate those two things from sort of, I guess, like, it's just really, it sounds like really introspective. Like, it I... is. Like, yeah. I think the best, the best you can do is to, is to talk with, with, uh, with other people that you, that you respect. Yeah, because um, they'd be willing to give you the criticism at least, and know that you're not gonna, you know, take it too personally. Like, I, if you, if you care to have criticism, yeah. Yeah, or at the very least, like they can share their own experience with with these phenomena, because like uh, certainly among among uh, uh, very creative circles, like imposter syndrome is rampant. We all struggle with it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, am I an aspiring artist or am I the illustrator that I set out to be? Like, am I always yeah. going to be aspiring, you know, in my bio on my Twitter feed or something like that? <laughs> or am I just going to be like, no, damn it, I am an artist. Yeah. And then how do you how do you sort of see yourself when you've decided I am an I am a I am a writer I'm a, I'm a publisher or, I, or or whatever it is that you are? I saw um Daniel, I guess Daniel. Do you know Game Grumps? Are you familiar with 
them. I mean, I guess they're pretty big oh, on YouTube. I recently became familiar with them because of the the excellent uh, uh, music video illustrated by uh, Knights of the Light Table. Oh, oh my God, the one... Magnum Bullets. Oh, that was so wow. Good. Yeah, that was beautiful. And uh, yeah, that was Danny. He was also from uh, NSP Ninja Sex Party from another band. Um, yeah. br brilliant vocals. I really love Danny. Dan Sexbang. Avedon, I think it's pronounced, or yes, Daniel Avedon. Yes. And uh, he mentioned something just briefly about how where it's like he hates that shit that people say sometimes about where in the creative field, like, I don't know if I'm a writer. I don't know if I'm a singer. I, like, yeah. once you put it out there, damn it, you you are that thing. So stop yes. saying that. So hearing that come from a person who's had that level of success, like, oh, yeah. that's, that's inspiration right there. And I think he's, he's really onto something. Um, and I reflected on this. Uh, when I when I sort of semi-retired from writing, uh, and I and alluded to that earlier, where I thought like maybe I'm just blocked or maybe it's just uh, just cooled, um, and eventually I came to the realization I just I just don't love writing uh, uh, anymore. Mm -hmm. I, I mean I could still do it, but I, I kind of I kind of had to come up with a with a definition like what is a writer. I had a I had a, a conversation. It was an argument. Like he, he had good uh, arguments. Uh, uh, my friend Rob Baird, uh, a fantastic writer. Um, who who sort of like took me to task for calling myself not a writer anymore? And he says, "Okay, did you did you did you stop learning how to construct a sentence? Did 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 verbs vanish from your from your brain? <laughs> like, no, still sentence together. Well, I've I've seen you like uh, do collaborations with with uh, uh, oh Lumi is is, is a, a fantastic artist out in out in Finland, and we did this this fun thing where like he would draw an illustration, I would do like a a, a thousand word short story for it, uh, and and like super hot and very and very erotic mm -hmm. but that was during a time where i was also saying already saying i'm not a writer anymore and I, that that really made me reflect on it and like if i ever fall out of love with photography i i still know how to frame a photo but i'm not a photographer anymore because a photographer a writer artist whatever like a writer is someone who who does writing a you have to do it mm -hmm. and b it has to be important to you exactly. writing is important yeah. art is important photography is important. Because then what is it and, otherwise, like, a job that you're just paid to do, I guess? Right. I mean, but that, that can also be important. Like, you know, I, I, I take my, my day job seriously. It, it, mm -hmm. it pays the bills. It's one of those things where if I was suddenly a, a millionaire, I probably wouldn't stay at this job. I probably would keep doing weddings. Exactly. Uh, like, and and confidence. That's where I find that value when I see um, from person to person looking at the individual who who's mm -hmm. who's like, who are you? Are you, you know, because I, I find that uh, just like for a lot of the people, like how invested are you into your, you know, nine to five job? A lot of the times, statistically, they're checked out six hours of the day at the shift or anything like that. That can be kind of monotonous. But when I see somebody yeah. passionate about you know, like even going beyond art, if you love, like I've mentioned this before, like if you love collecting stamps and if you are like, huh. for whatever reason, like stamp stamps is your thing. <laughs> and like you have a collection, you've made a gallery, yeah. you've done all of these things and you want to show it to the world. And that's who you are. That's, that's how I get sort of, I get off to, to, to really seeing that passion in somebody's eyes. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, uh, that's the, I, again, and this is this is this is maybe because I'm an I'm a I'm heading toward gray muzzle territory, <laughs> and like in 
relationships, personal relationships, like romantic relationships and and friendships, they can be incredibly mm -hmm. passionate. They can be, yes. uh, and they can and they can, you know, that that passion doesn't necessarily stay over over time. Like ten years later, like my boyfriend and I have been together. Oh, twenty two years now. Like that's that's more than half my life, and the other half I spend a lot of time being incontinent and and nonverbal, so that doesn't really count. Mm -hmm. Um, but that is tough, like yeah. that. That's not that's not the same like uh, uh, infatuation as it was. And it has a it has a different value, and part of that is like a commitment. That's you know, really a, true. The decision. And yeah, I guess I uh, yeah yeah I will say and, and admit that the, I I do have an over romanticism with that type of thing too. Um, so I guess that does have its time and place. Well, and 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 that's not that's not bad. Nor nor is it uh, uh, nor is it something that I disagree with. Mm -hmm. um, like I think that's also a function of. No, I was going to say I think that's a function of youth, but I don't think that that's true. I think a lot of people still <laughs> still have that. No, uh, it's 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 different uh, uh, experiences, and uh, but yeah, like in in just the way that I respect uh, uh, craft, mm -hmm. uh, or that I'm more interested in craft than than in art. You know, the the lofty idea of of, of the creative spark is less interesting to me than someone who has like practiced sculpture or whittling or you know, as you say, stamp collecting. Mm -hmm. And and is super like passionate and invested in that, just in the way that I I, I respect craft over over art. I also respect like commitment uh, over over passion, and that commitment can be um, uh, uh, like it pays my bills. I, I see there's some furry artists out there who have uh, become like they've quit their day job, they're doing they're doing art full time, and they're hustling and they're and they're making it work. And they're uh, managing their uh, uh, their brand and customer base, and they're promoting, and they're doing it all like respectfully. And like uh, 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 Don Ryu is an example of someone who I think is doing it very well. Like he's consistently uh, kind and himself, and, and and passionate about like working out. He's a uh, he shows off his uh, his his gains quite proudly, and he's also fun uh, like has fun with the with the tea that he's really into, mm -hmm. and he does you know art for. At, at sort of commercial uh, 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 volumes, accepts commissions, busts, and it's got a, it's got a very good process. And I admire that a lot because that's someone who's who's decided I am going to I'm going to do this rationally. Uh, uh, I'm going to channel my uh, passion and can sustain it. And that's exactly. yeah, much like a, a relationship, like love, friendship, even can sometimes be a decision. You know, there are there are people that you have decided I'm going to be in your corner. And you're going to have to work really, really hard to disappoint me, and you actually never have to work really, really hard anymore to like earn my support. Yeah, that's very true. And the the sheer fact that like yeah, if you're consistent at it, and like you don't have to have the banging fireworks of passion every single day, because that yeah, may, maybe that like, frankly that's just that would wear you out. That would burn out anybody. Um, so yeah, having that, so, yeah. that consistency, like you said, even for a relationship, I, I just wanted to emphasize again, was like really well put, um, even though you're long distance and stuff, but it's been decades that you guys have been together and it's, it's not necessarily like that young romanticism, I guess, anymore. No, it's it, like, it, it takes these, these, um, these, these wonderful new shapes, um, but like the, the 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 core underneath is still there. Like, this is the most important person in my life. Mm -hmm. This is this is someone whose whose happiness I value above my own. There, yeah, uh, 
without without necessarily saying that that's a that that's a requirement you don't have to uh, diminish yourself but <laughs> yeah also like uh you know for people who are who are super into into writing like i look at some of the folks that were that were coming up when i was coming you know uh kyle was the was the rising star uh as a as a, as a writer right so like 2004 that that sort of era mm-hmm. uh and you had uh, uh, uh Hirosaki, and you had uh, uh uh, Ryan Campbell, who's since published a, a bunch of novels, and he, like a, a whole slew of names that are still recognizable now, and that, unlike yours truly, have uh, have continued and are are putting out books on the regular, and like they're they're approaching it. Some of them are approaching it professionally, and they do struggle sort of with the idea, like, am I a professional writer now? Like, on my, uh, I saw that Ryan Campbell uh, has wrote about that on Twitter a, a while ago that he. He had trouble, like, letting go of the idea that writing was uh, an, a, a hobby and that he was a professional writer when, um, you know, I mean, furry books don't make a lot of money. You can't, with, with, with very few exceptions, you can't really make a living off of furry writing. Mm-hmm. I know that that, that came up, uh, uh, that discussion comes up every now and again for, for how little actually furry anthologies, anthologies pay uh, authors per word. And this is just a function of those those books. They don't they don't make a lot of money. It's 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 kind of hard to to sell a lot of furry books. And just for like this year, just like if you had to speak like economically, like it is a niche fandom still. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's you're within a niche within a niche, <laughs> within yeah. Like you're a writer, and okay, you're not you're gonna appeal to everyone globally. You're gonna be within a fandom, and that's sort of like not like if you want to be a mass market success or something like that, the next Harry Potter or something. Like, well, then why pursue something within just a fandom? Well, it's because you yeah. love it. Yeah, it's because that's your passion. And also, um, I mean, it's easy to be a big fish in a little pond, right? Oh. It's it it can be quite uh, it can be quite appealing. Like certainly when there's, um, when you when you realize that you're operating at a at a level that's higher than most. Like I had a I had a friend, and she used to joke about how she uh, she's a singer, and she likes to join choirs that are a little worse than she is so she's always the best and she likes that huh. and that was a joke of course because yeah then you don't learn then you don't get you that, don't get pushed that is nice to sort of feel like wow like I, my talents are being recognized um but at yeah. the same time though like having the big fish in the little pond the little pond is also restrictive right so yeah that would mean that oh but what if you want to grow then then you have to find the bigger the bigger pond or lake right or you grow the pond, and that's the part that I've that I've always loved, and that's oh. the part that collaboration is is so so good for. Like I noticed this in the in, in the furry publishing scene. You 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 asked about uh, earlier about some of the, the the big players in furry publishing, so Fur mm-hmm. Planet, Rabbit Valley, uh, Soulful Wolf Press. Now you've also got uh, Goal Publications. You've got uh, 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 Fusser Schwarm in in Germany. Um, who else? You got Thurston Howell, uh, uh, like. All of these names uh, uh, mm-hmm. are coming up, and I, I've I'd, before I got into into furry publishing, and this was fifteen years ago. Um, I I sort of figured that they would behave the way that I thought that the the, the big publishers be competitive with each other and quite exclusive, but and they're absolutely not. They're working together. They're growing the pond. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 like. Uh, 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 Rabbit Valley and Fur Planet. I mean, Rabbit Valley. I think has stopped going to uh, to conventions, 
but they used to like it, it was fairly common for if if i as publisher a am going to a particular con that publisher b and c aren't going to then publishers b and c will send me boxes of their books to sell oh. and you know i'll take i'll skim a little off the top that's the that's the usual agreement and they'll mm -hmm. do the same for me so all of our products are always being uh, being represented and like as much as they sort of compete with each other like every every publisher likes to have you know exclusives Carl mm -hmm. uh, 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 Gold used to publish primarily through through Self Wolf Press and uh, uh, Blotch when they were uh, operating. They were a Self Wolf Press thing, so that that gives you sort of prestige as a as a publisher. Yeah, and like what, now for yeah, it's like what exclusive or what things are they going to be known for? You know, instead yeah, of yeah. just being all this kind of like homogenous group. But it's yeah, it's super cool to see that like it's not going to be a hyper competitive space like like you no. mentioned before. It's it's like nobody's trying to attack each other. Everyone's just trying to support each other, and then everyone grows together. Yep, yep. And uh, like the 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 publishers at at cons, like take a look at the at, at the next con. Look at who's 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 selling a lot of books at uh, at the dealers. Then you will see them, uh, you know, sharing a table and. And drinking together and in the bar after the dealers then closes you guaranteed mm -hmm. the publishers and writers will find each other and even though like each of them are trying to like get a slice of this pie and they want to you know everybody wants a bigger slice of the pie but they realize that the best way to get a bigger slice of the pie is to make the pie bigger Ex so exactly. they, yeah they want they want more pie for everyone so they're they're you know they're promoting writing in general or promoting books in general and so... that's a like and okay for okay so like uh, still on the same topic like for a different medium now like podcasting I kind of want your perspective or what you've observed though um I mean even granted during quarantine time it's been a bit but from prior cons and stuff um what is the podcasting media been like have you gotten a an overall grasp of what the scene is like in the furry fandom because as far as I'm concerned it, it seems like it's still pretty niche uh oh that's a tough one so it's not one that I've particularly uh, tracked. Uh, mm -hmm. As with so many of my projects, I tend to jump in before I've really looked around. Mm -hmm. Same. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but uh, so the podcasts that I know in the furry fandom are um, they're, they're passion projects, usually uh, like some writers and some, uh, oh yeah, well, sometimes audio engineers, like mm -hmm. they get really into using using their skills um yeah okay so so my absolute favorite it's no longer running was the furry basketball association I'm... by uh <laughs> never heard of it oh no. you're in for a treat boy fba <laughs> fba that's the one furry basketball association nowadays it's a it's a it's a it's a fantasy basketball league but it started out as a, a podcast and it was run by buck hopper today he goes by uh, karisu kid fox but at the time it was uh, it was buck hopper and it's it's a pretend um uh, uh, uh sports news radio show hosted by a coyote um who reports on the uh, on on this basketball league called the furry basketball association <laughs> and it's so cool have have all these characters and they've got like little rivalries and teams and uh, uh so what do you do and this was so so cool he would host these uh these skype sessions like recording sessions mm -hmm. where he'd, he'd he'd written out a new episode it was all scripted he'd written out a new episode and then people could Skype in and like audition for certain parts to to play like uh, a particular athlete who was giving a response at a at a, at a press conference or a particular oh, journalist. Cool. It's, it's like a so cool. It's like an audio equivalent of a YCH, I guess. 
like fulfilled. Oh my god, that's a really w yeah. good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because you said he had these characters, but the only thing he needed was like the individual voices. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm still very very uh, very proud. I got to play a character called John Stoat, and he was this this ermine with a with a chip on his shoulder, and had so much fun performing <laughs> him. It was really foul mouthed and and abusive, but uh, but still kind of a softy and, and kind on the inside. Oh, that's really cool. And did um, so did this sort of gravitate around your idea to start something in production with somebody? Um, uh, forgive me for not knowing uh, one of your partners' names and like for the cover my ass cast. Um, oh, how, how oh did, yeah, how did those that's... bleed together, or what? What? What made you make that leap to that? You know, that's a that's a very good one. That's my buddy Kay. Um, so. Out, it, during during the dry spell, kind of when uh, when I wasn't writing, uh, this was like like ten years or so when I went, when I wasn't writing and I wasn't like my main creative outlet was was photography, which I was really enjoying because you have a very fast uh, work reward cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly at a, at a at a con where I like I wanted to be fast and I did my editing. These days, I don't even edit my photos. I just uh, I make sure that they're right and I select the one and, I, and then I upload that. But I I felt like I was. I was missing something and um I was missing like a like new project energy, like long term project energy. And I looked at like various things that I could do. I'd I'd, I'd been wanting to do a podcast because I like the sound of my own voice. Mm -hmm. Which is that narcissism again. <laughs> but if you if you yeah, well but if you want to do podcasting or anything with uh, uh, with voice acting or anything, you kind of have to, right? You've got to you have you've a lot of like voice, listening to yeah. it, otherwise you're gonna hate editing. <laughs> I I do like sort of that graveliness or something that you get out of um like what you would listen to like from old microphones or like radio hosts. Oh, yeah. That's there's some sort of sultriness to that that I really do like. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, sort of that... like audiophilic, or it's like the equivalent of like <laughs> ASMR, <laughs> yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh... But to answer your question, so I'd like for 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 a while, I'd wanted to do that, and I'd played with this this concept in my mind uh, before. But mm -hmm. I needed a co-host in order to make work, and that was like to review books that we haven't read based mm -hmm. purely on the cover, it, it, which is actually more like improvisational storytelling, which is like right up my wheelhouse. I, mm -hmm. You 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 get to sort of imagine a, a a story, and you and you sort of do it live, and you do it collaboratively. And I remember having lots of fun doing that with other writers. But like the experience that I had with doing co-hosted productions online, I mean, you'd you'd need I'd need someone with like equal investment and time. And like, who can I who can I do that with? And one of my best like best friends lives really nearby. Uh, we're like five minutes away from each other. We see each other all the time. And so I, I just went, hey Kay, and I think that was literally it. I sent him a message on Telegram. Hey Kay, you want to do a podcast? He's like, yeah, sure. How's Saturday? Yeah, cool. Oh, well, that was and hard. then we <laughs> we did a trial episode. I got some lavalier mics, plugged them into the phone, and we're just okay. Let's let's give this a shot, and it was super fun. We we did a trial episode, and was specifically this one's not going to going to be our, our our beta, and it, and, and it has never aired. Mm -hmm. we, were just, we were trying some some silly stuff out, I had a lot of fun, like great energy. Oh, okay, this is easy. We'll just we'll just do this every, and uh, uh, it, it was such success that we didn't we didn't even feel like we needed to do a second trial like we'd originally planned. And so we sat down the next week to do the the, the first real episode, and mm. well, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't as cool or fun or high energy as that. And we realized, like, oh, oh, this is actually going to be work. It's not going to happen just on its own. Well, okay, better yeah. better start getting good at it. 
Oh, okay. So, I mean, but you Actually, still... May I... Pardon me. May I take a quick pause? I, I really need to go wee-wee. Oh, no no problem. Pardon me. So please edit this out. <laughs> I, can, I can leave it in. That's okay. <laughs> no, please don't. Please don't. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay, no problem. Um, so, uh, I guess I guess it's just me. Um, you know, you gotta, you gotta take the dog out to, to pee. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love you, Khaki. Um, but damn, wow, this, that's so cool, seeing, just seeing so much passion for, like, what, what he has for, for the things that he's developing about, like, um, moving on to the next project developing it realizing like hey when's the next chapter i really do like that um and i feel like that's sort of been something that in the back of my mind where um as i do commissions as i do patreon or youtube that's all sort of been sort of been gravitating around like balancing myself from doing one project sort of seeing the end of that project and then starting a new one um yeah that, that was really cool um so uh well see um i was i was prepared i was i peed before i started the podcast um yeah oh i guess he did just make a lot of tea he probably yeah that that was it cream something cream tea that sounds so good though huh <laughs> i got a nice bowl of fruit i got some watermelon and I got some yogurt and some nuts. Let's do some ASMR. I think mm, some people either really hate it or really love it when some people eat into the mic. Um, I I apologize. Um, but man, this is so good. Oh yeah. Watermelon in the summer. Watermelon? So good. Hello. Oh sorry, I'm just <laughs> you caught me eating <laughs> I'm eating my fruit okay. cup. Speaking of ASMR. Ooh. I was just giving the listeners um yeah. Some some mukbang action. Oh that's the the Korean eating one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where they're like they're like eating like an like three different entrees of like lobster, squid, and crab or something into the mic. I'm like, oh my gosh! And like they get millions. This of... world up. Yeah, it's crazy. Um. Oh, you you're back. You good? <laughs> yes, I apologize for saying wee wee on your podcast twice um, now. I'm sorry. Like, I don't think I can invite you back on. I'm sorry. That's that. I know. That's no, the line. Cop. You know. I'll see myself out. No. It was was honestly your fault for drinking tea and getting relaxed because... Right? You you know, mm, poor... I think we can (laughs) can both agree. No, this is... I know. (laughs) You you have to have what I have is called a gamer bladder. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay. You take one of those those sniper constipation pills. Exactly. And then you just get a UTI later, you know, because you held it too long. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you can... I mean, you know, since you're only seen from the waist up, like you can, you can, you can cath up. You can do a little catheter and just, uh, you know. Yeah, like a Zoom call. You know, everyone's doing it. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where are we going? Um, 
Oh yeah, we were talking about for cover my cat, my ass cast, and yeah, cover my ass, yeah. And uh, so you have these like you have a multitude of projects. I'll be honest. Um, and that just like baffles me. It's like how does Khaki keep up? Um, so and you also have Fireside Companion for furry stories. Like, would you like to shed some light on that project? Oh, that's uh, uh, that's my little self nickname on the uh, the project called the Voice of Doll. Voice of Doll, um, yes. Mm-hmm. And like that one, that one also started um, very very impulsively. Um, and it was when the when the coronavirus uh, uh, crisis mm-hmm. um, was really was really hitting, and the and the isolation me- measures uh, belatedly taken mm-hmm. all over the world. Um, and I sort of felt like I wanted to do something something positive because um, I I realized that I was in a in a in quite a privileged position. Like my I had fair job security uh, i was in a position where i could continue to work from home um and i've i've worked from home before like i, I was a, i was an independent uh a, a designer so i i've worked remotely before so i could like i could do all of that whereas there's people out there they, they don't have job security or they in fact lost their jobs because that's how easily it goes in the united states certainly. or For sure, you know yes. they're they, uh yeah yeah and and they have they have kids to take care of and like all of these all of these stresses uh and like what do I have to complain about? But I was still feeling, you know, same as same as what everybody else felt felt early on, and probably still does now. I was missing missing my friends. I was missing it, doing stuff. It's that yeah, a little bit of loneliness that uh, I think was kind of settling in after like, okay, this is no longer a day. This is no longer a week. Oh God, it's yeah. a month. What am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this was uh, like mid mid March. God, um, that feels like a long time ago before before for for at least for me that had uh, that had really settled in but i wanted to like i had a had a spark of, of of optimism and positivity that i wanted to both hold on to you know and and, and a spark needs to be fed and fanned <clears throat> pardon me um and i wanted to and i wanted to share and i i i i decided what i wanted to do was story read because i like the sound of my own voice and i like to share that um and i wanted to do like positive stories I, I thought like how cool would it be um to to share uh, a, a cool story also to give give people like something to uh, uh to look forward to and um sort of like the the like an auditory equivalent of of reaching out and holding people's hand by saying i'm going to i'm going to find a, a cool story and i'm going to read it to you and it's going to be there every day and you can you can trust me Every day there's going to be a story. If you if you have you know, if it if it helps you to like get out of bed, or if it helps mm-hmm. you just to like okay, something that I heard from from people who even didn't listen to the the show, they appreciated that it was being made. Like it it, it gave some people confidence to know that that someone was out there, or some people were out there because a lot of writers were involved as well, working to do this every day mm-hmm. just for just for them and then without even listening to it like that that, that hardened hardened some people which i, I really appreciated yeah, um and yeah it's something to look forward to it's like no matter what at least like i have and this is the same way i sort of treat podcasts like where it's like oh shit i'm gonna have another episode this week this saturday of like furcast or south pause or something like that it's like that's yeah. even regardless of the story or the topic that they're talking about sometimes it's yeah. just comforting to hear that person talk and you get this yes. kind of like unspoken relationship. 
because that's the thing with with podcasts right they're 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 friends in your ears yeah um, <laughs> and and you get all the benefits of of a fun conversation without the presence without the pressure of having to participate yourself yeah and it's yeah like, it's it's still like participating in a party and it's like it's fun and like they're usually you know talking about like wacky stuff not to get too meta yeah. but <laughs> yeah i'll often just listen pop pop in like a bluetooth earbud at work and then sometimes when the day is just slow i'll just be listening to a podcast and still enjoying my day yeah yeah because you enjoy the, the 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 company yeah it's I got mean, it's got to be weird sometimes when you're when you have like when you you feel this sense of intimacy and familiarity with uh, with these people and then later on like to have the opportunity to meet them they have That's, no idea who you are it's it's world changing yeah it, it's a yeah. whole nother like experience have you had that experience um well you, i mean you, you, you could say that though um through the way that i've been interviewing people so like seeing it it's this oh, connection wow. with yeah with um seeing the people who put out your favorite artwork or your favorite podcast your favorite content online and then when you you get to email them and they reply and you're like they they exist you know like they're yeah you can talk to them and then you can talk about collaborating and making great like cool cool shit that you want to get done and share with the world and yeah. like that's sort of like what's been pushing me every new episode to just get in to talk with somebody and then just share like a fun thing with everybody and then that's what it really comes down to um but it, it's definitely that wow this the people online they're not just they're not just like necessarily like like npcs or robots they're they're real people uh, behind yeah. those avatars you know yeah. and, and yeah it, that's what i, I love amazing how how keen how, how many of them are like super keen to like help out to, to, to give you their time and attention and, and, and work for nothing, but just to help you do your thing. Exactly. Like, again, like, I can't praise the furry community enough for being such a warm and welcoming, like, body for people who want to become the best of themselves, whether it be, like, LGBT or just to become an artist. Like, I wouldn't be an artist today um, with the friends that I have today without the community. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's an amazing pond to uh, to swim in. <laughs> um, so uh, you're actually going to be working on like I guess for the next couple of weeks, um, you're going to be um still putting out uh the voice of dog. Oh yeah, I I don't I don't have any plans to uh, to stop. I am switching. Um, uh, it's now oh what what's the what's the date? I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, it's now the seventeenth of May. So in the next week. Uh, we're going to uh, a three episode per week schedule, mm -hmm. and that's partly because, like, I've done two months of daily of daily stories. It's like you know, over twenty hours of, of of fully edited, like well produced material that I'm that I'm very proud of with fantastic stories by like over thirty authors whose uh, uh, whose names I could probably rattle off if I uh, uh, if I tried right now, but that would, that, would, that would take a wee while, and I certainly don't want to play favorite. Um, but it's actually been kind of tough to acquire uh, the material. Like um, the, the the word count, like the stories have to be under five thousand words in order to fit in, say, about a thirty-five minute uh, podcast episode. And they have to be they have to be upbeat. And maybe in future I'll do I'll do longer stuff. But uh, that's sort of the comfort zone. So yeah, we're two months down the line. Uh, uh, the, the the glorious isolation is settling into into a routine. I'm 
manage, managing my time uh, and I'm being respectful of the uh, the amount of of stories that I'm able to get because like being able to get 60 stories the the quality that I've that I've gotten uh, in just two months is kind of amazing mm. uh, there have even been some some of them have been written for the show you know there's 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 some authors out there saying that that they're they're going to write something just for the show which is oh that's just, really awesome yeah. and so so going to times a week so monday wednesday friday and so uh, that's i think that's sustainable and maybe i'll i'll wind up doing one a week but i have no too much uh so i mean yeah that's that's really cool um have there been any other last uh projects or things that uh you'd like to talk about now um as we wrap this up oh um I mean, everything that I want to talk about is is stuff that other people are doing, like Sweet Leaves by 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 Coulson, who's uh, uh, you know, I, I I like to describe that I was his, his his mentor for a while, and since now he's off writing his own his, his his stuff all on his own, and I sort of feel like like a like a like a proud parent that I that I that I helped him like learn how to ride a bicycle with the training wheels, and then the wheels have come off, and he's riding a bike on his own, and he doesn't need me anymore, and I wipe a tear <laughs> away when it. Whatever you know, I'm subscribed to his Patreon, so I I, I see those those pages coming. They're so cool. So Sweet Leaves by by Colson, uh, 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 Mira M Y R E by uh, by Elector Fencer uh, uh, that I'm that I'm helping on with the, the the second book of like those are the those are the things that I really like to like to praise. And then then my own stuff is uh, the Voice of Dog, which is upbeat furry stories at the Voice dot Dog, which I'm so proud that I got that URL. It's That's nice. literally the Voice dot Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Very happy with that, and covermyasscast.com where I do the uh, kind of furry adjacent uh, 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 book cover stuff. And I don't know, I've been I've been feeling a yen for for new project energy again, which is probably uh, I don't know. Talk to me again in uh, in in six months. Who knows? I'll be I'll be doing something else as well. Oh, for sure. I would love to see where you are in six months and like get everybody up to speed on that. I, I literally don't know what's in store for like even like the next month for myself actually so <laughs> that would be really fun to I catch up on. Hey, I would I would I would love to help. Like staying in that spirit of of uh, uh, of collaboration, like anything that I can do to to to, to help, please let me know. I'd absolutely love to. Hell yeah, I I am there. Um, so you guys, this has been Tree Bark. Um, and this uh, I've been your host Theo and. Go check out Khaki. Like, freaking, he's an awesome guy. He's an awesome dog man. And, like, seeing seeing all this stuff that he's making and giving back to the community, go check him out. I'll put all of his info in the links below. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Khaki, and making time today. Oh, thank you so much. You've been a delight to talk to. Your show is fantastic. And thank you so much to my Patreon supporters, starting with the patron pups, Adrian Eves, Ben Campbell, Cord Hull, Damian Adams, Knock82562, Kodavir, Michael Draws, Roadwolf, Tyler Green. And a huge thanks to the official Good Boy supporters Archon Inu, Black Mothwitch, Francis Booth, Howler, Jason, Kogo, and OK Dougal. And a huge shout out to the Top Dog supporters, starting with Atorius Nightwalker, Bryce, Damon, Ella Ryra, Ferris, Hattie, Jay Wolf, John Dem, Moody, and Yoru Pandawolf. Thank you so much guys for supporting my work, and if you'd like to see future endeavors, you can support me on Patreon at Shikokubo. 
And you can also follow my work on Twitter or FA at Shikokubo. That's S-H-I-K-O-K-U-B-O. Take care.